Welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This episode 69 of the pod, your college football pick'em special. Matt, football's here. We're happy. It's time to come out of the cave and or go into the cave. And yeah, we're going back into the cave. However you're I, looking at I've it. I've been yeah. in the cave still most of this time, but now I'm really going back <laughs> into the cave. And not deep, deep into the cave. I was... I like la- the last two nights. I, it, it's been you know pretty much unranked, not the greatest of matchups, but I've just been clued to my TV watching college football, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, it, uh, a little a little taste these last couple days, and then uh, we hit the ground running hard on Saturday with some pretty good matchups as well. So we'll we'll get into the matchups a little later on in the pod. But what we're going to do here for the college football pick'em special is we're going to pick your Power Five conference champions. We're going to dive into a great little. Uh, uh, two-on-one interview we did with um, SB Nation's Phil Goff, who writes for One Foot Down, the uh, the Notre Dame. Some some absolutely yeah. great insight in that interview. I, I I knew Phil knew Notre Dame football. I knew wrote, he wrote for him, but my uh, th- this kid I think could answer just about anything we asked him. He in, in going to extreme detail doing it. I was blown away at how like intricate of knowledge he had on Notre Dame football. It, yeah. was, it was one of the most informative interviews I think I've ever listened no, to. Notre Dame fans will love it. The Notre Dame haters, it'll it'll possibly infuriate you, but if nothing else, it'll give you a little bit of betting ammo for the season ahead, whether you want to fade the Irish or we go with the them haters, a couple Joe. weekends. We do fade the haters we here at the Listeners Podcast. That said, we are also going to have your lock of the week. I believe last year, both of us finished right around 500. Yeah, one that was, game uh, below in you, that region. You basically won because of the Alabama-Clemson game, I believe, right? It, it was a comeback. It was yeah. a comeback effort on both of our accounts. But we're going to try and stay on the right side of 500 this year with a couple locks here in Week One. But first things first, Maddie, we got to talk conferences, and there's no conference we know better than the Big Ten. Let's uh, let's dig into the Big Ten. Who do you see in that uh, in that matchup, and who do you see coming out of the Big Ten? We might be on the same page here. I mean, I, I think we both see Wisconsin in the West. Is I know you have some good team. Northwestern's going to be a solid team. They got a nice win last night. I mean, Iowa's always a fine team. Nebraska's going to be better this year, but I, I don't think anybody but Wisconsin really has much of a chance to come out of that unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong. I mean, returning yep. Jonathan Taylor, um, what's it, Jack Hornibrook's coming back. I mean, they, they got their quarterback, their running back, their offensive line's going to be fantastic. They always have a really solid group defensively, and those all-white uniforms on the road are just, they're, they're arguably unmatched throughout college football. So I, I'm going to go with the Badgers in the West, and I still don't know who I want in the East. I, there are four teams that could legitimately – Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State can all win it. I'm going to have to go – I think we're going to see a rematch of last year's Big Ten Championship. I'm going to take Ohio mm-hmm. State just because I don't know who's the best of those teams, so I'm going to take the, the safe bet, the one I think I know best. And uh, I know off-the-field stuff is not stuff we get into, and that's not – I don't want to – pick urban meyer because of that but at the same time he's just he's got a track record he's dominated that conference for a while now and until somebody in that division beats him i know michigan state did you know the the one time but until they can do it on a consistent basis i'm not picking against ohio state they still have so much talent coming back um and they always are reloaded with the 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 talent they lose because urban meyer such a great recruiter there 
We are in lockstep in the Big Ten. I also have it Ohio State, Wisconsin. The only way Wisconsin doesn't make it to the Big Ten championship game is because of Alex Hornibrook. And sometimes it's painful to watch him play quarterback, but uh, another year, some more experience, and Hornibrook might have taken steps forward. You can only assume that he has. But the run game going to be dominant there in Madison, and I think it's going to take them all the way to the Big Ten Championship and possibly beyond. That's a tease. On the other side of things, I'm going with Ohio State as well. Um, like you said, proven track record. Urban Meyer knows how to get his guys there, knows how to get them ready. Uh, if, if there's going to be a loss, it's going to be like you called it in our pre-production, one of those valuable, sexy, big losses. Um, but I did not. I, I did not word it that way. You did, not, but I did not say valuable, big, sexy losses. I just what would you, what'd you call it? What'd you call it? I call it the, the good loss that the committee. The good loss. It, I, I like it a, a valuable, sexy, big that's, loss. That's fair. That you can a call it whatever sexy, you like. Big, sexy loss. But let's, let's stop saying big, sexy. My, my only, my only doubts in Ohio State are the off the field issues uh, or, or the off the field. Um, noise that's going on right now and if they can work through that work past that there's no reason that they shouldn't find themselves in another big 10 championship game yeah i mean the the way i see it is i I don't want to speculate on how their you know board handled the suspension you know decision but urban meyer suspended up until conference play and they're they, they the best team they play out of conference is tcu so they're basically hoping they can survive that and even if they don't, they're gambling on Urban Meyer being able to come back and they can run the table in the Big Ten and still get them a spot in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, that's kind of what I think the Ohio, was in the mindset of Ohio State, which is a little bit sad in, in, in thinking that that's what they were considering the suspension. But I think that was kind of their mindset and it might actually come true because they're only going to lose a max of one game out of conference. If they run the table in the Big Ten, they'll, they'll be in the playoff again. Yeah. Uh, so that's your Big Ten breakdown. We're going to keep it. We can keep it pretty tight on these. There, some of them will be a little bit more to dig Obviously into. Obviously, we can but, go deeper uh, into the Big Ten than most conferences. But uh, absolutely, and uh, we will. Uh Obviously, be talking Big Ten all season long. I, I no longer am our resident uh, Lincoln, Nebraska correspondent. You still for know, the Huskers, you still but know. yeah, still got still got my finger on the pulse a little bit. There are some uh, some positions that have really gotten upgrades through uh, the junior college recruitment that they've done in the last eight months since Scott Frost uh, arrived. That was one of the big pushes that they made. Going to have a guy Mike Williams at wide receiver to flank Stanley Morgan Jr. out there. So if they can find someone to throw them the ball, that's going to be a lot of fun on that side of the ball. But in terms of uh, the quarterback, it's going to be the first ever true freshman to start for the Huskers in program history. Kid named Adrian Martinez, who followed Frost to uh, to Nebraska as well. He was being recruited heavily by UCF while he was there. And one of the top guys in the country, did they want to have to start him this early? I, I don't know, but uh, we're going to see what the freshman can do. Defensive side of the ball was the huge question mark uh, with Bob Diaco's defense last year. Uh, really just needed to go a f- undergo a full culture change this offseason. I was not there to see it, but apparently it went pretty well. They packed some pounds on these guys. Nebraska going to be a contender. Uh, I don't think so, but can they'll they They'll take a step pull? in the right direction this year. They'll take a step in the right direction, and you might see a marquee upset on the schedule somewhere. They could play spoiler to a season somewhere else. I think that's going to be a really good game. I believe it is in Lincoln this year. Uh, or no, it should be back in Madison for Wisconsin versus Nebraska. So it should be a really good game. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. That one's always been a uh, – not not the last couple of years, obviously, like you said, but 
that's a fun rivalry that kind of adopted when Nebraska made the move over to the Big Ten. Now that I've made the move here to Northern California, I'm, no longer, down, I'm no longer down the street from How do you feel uh, about Stanford, a, bro? a historic uh, program, but I guess Stanford UCLA is going to be the new uh, uh, the new kind of playing ground out here. Um, UC Davis, if you guys want some UC Davis updates. or uh, Joe, as much as I think you probably know about UC Davis – Sac State. I, I, think we're gonna, State. I think we can pass on that one. I no longer in a college football yeah. hotbed, but okay. I do see a do see a great. You can, you can another, pick up some Pac-12 knowledge. Another good season, yeah. Some Pac-12 pick knowledge some out Pac-12 here. Pac-12 knowledge. And, uh, I'll be the Big Ten guy, and we can both kind of get the other. Con- we actually we can both be the Big Ten guy because you still keep in touch. I'll find another conference out here, and then we got three of them covered. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Stanford's going to run the ball. So that's that's yeah. oh, the, yeah. maybe take, just a little bit. Take, Take that, take that as you may. But uh, let's you, jump out. Should we go to the Pac-12? We're talking Stanford. We're talking about yeah, your area. Is I, that I where you want to make the jump to? Or no? Yeah. Let, you know what? You're let, you're the you're the driver here. You're the driver of this. Pod. No, 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 never. We let's, go where uh, you go. Let's let's go to Pac-12. I like the Pac-12 here. Once you once uh, you started. So you, I started off the Big Ten. Once you go Big tw- Pac-12. You did Pac-12. I'm going to go with Washington. They seem to be the in vogue, uh, and we're going to use the word sexy a lot in the podcast. I'm uh, not. A lot you are this week. Okay. Well, they seem to be the sexy pick coming out of the Pac-12 to make it to the uh, college football playoff. That's what a lot of the analysts have. Um, We're going to make our college football playoffs picks here at the end of the pod. Uh, We'll see if Washington makes either of ours. But uh, I think that they're just going to kind of rattle off a streak of wins through the Pac-12. The Pac-12 talent-wise in the last few years since the dominance of the Oregon heyday has not been what it's been in the past in terms of talent across the conference. So I think Washington is going to have a pretty easy time with the conference schedule. But uh, Stanford, obviously, they're going to make some noise. But I think that the uh, the Jake Browning-led uh, Washington Huskies are going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. His fourth year as the starter, anytime you have a guy with that sort of experience under center in a system, you can really enter week one with a greater understanding than your opponents. Yeah, and a Speaking of week one, I think that Washington week one is going to be so much fun to watch against them, mm-hmm. them against Auburn. And that was something we talked about earlier. Again, both of those teams kind of giving them themselves a chance at a, you know, good loss. One of those Sexy. valuable losses. I'm not going to say it. One of those valuable <laughs> losses that the committee actually almost rewards you for, as long as you don't lose the second game, because if you do, then you're done. But mm-hmm. if you if that's your only loss and they, they play a tight, close game against Auburn, I know it's in a neutral site, but it's in Atlanta and, you know, that's yeah. that's SEC that's country. Yeah. Um, I, I think that'll be seen as you know a good loss if they lose it. I, who knows if they're actually going to lose that game? Yeah, as long as as long as they handle their business in conference. And like I said, the only hurdle there in conference looks like Stanford as of right now. You got to win them all, but uh, Stanford's going to be a really good game. You got to find a way to stop Bryce Love, as all of Stanford's opponents are going to have to, and that's. No, uh, no easy task. So uh, I'm looking at it right now too. Stanford has won four of the last five in the series between Washington and Stanford. So that's going to be a great matchup. I don't know exactly what week that is. I think it's in the tail end of the schedule, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe you're right. If you give me a second here, I can actually pull it up because that's what I do. I got my computer open. It nice. is at the tail end, but it is in Washington. They are they're going to play in, uh, in just outside of Seattle. They're in Washington, so that'll be a home game for the Huskies. Matt, if it's not the Big Ten, uh, our, our go-to conference is usually the SEC, or it's it's America's go-to conference. Oh, yeah. 
between the Big Ten and the SEC. I feel like those are the ones that get the most national notoriety, and the SEC has offered uh, the national champion however many of the last uh, however few, many years, a lot of few years. years. Aside from Clemson, it's been the Bama show. Um, but I think that we're going to see a lot of the same coming out of the SEC. Are we, are, are, are we not picking our other you know division champions or letting me pick my Go Pac-12? Go ahead. Pick did your Pac-12. You, did you pick uh, your, your conference championship game? I did not pick my conference Joe, championship what, game. Joe, what are you doing I just, Is this your first I, time? I just gave you Washington. I just gave you Washington. Okay, well, I have Washington. I think, like you, it's going to be the winner of that Stanford game, or the winner of the Stanford-Washington game goes. I actually think in the, the other division, the South, I think Arizona's going to do it. I, I think Kevin Sumlin there with, with a Heisman Trophy candidate-type quarterback and Khalil Tate. Mm-hmm. Kevin Sumlin has really brought out the best in those types of quarterbacks, the, the mobile quarterbacks who can throw on the run and kind of do you know, dual threat types. And I think they're going to have a huge year. I think USC's good, but I'm not sure they're you know national championship-type level yet. And I think Arizona figures out a way to get there. But I'm going to go with Washington as well. I think Washington-Stanford's going to be a really tight, close game. But like you talked about Jake Browning, it's it's tough to beat a four year quarterback. Uh, yeah, I, I think Chris Peterson is he's starting to get that notoriety, but I still think he's the most underrated coach in college football. He's taken Washington from you know a middle of the road to bottom of the Pac twelve team to now a perennial playoff contender. Um, and I, I love what they do, and I think they are going to come out of the Pac twelve. But I think Arizona is going to give him a, a little bit of a scare with how good Khalil Tate can be. So zone is your team to watch on the other side. I guess I'll just piggyback with you there because. The Pac-12, as we said, doesn't exactly uh, yeah, the, the, exactly the, the, the light a fire. The Pac-12 South is, uh, is, is down a little bit this year. you, know, you got yeah. SC. I know Chip Kelly's at UCLA, and he'll probably bring them you know, back at some point. But it's, it's tough under a first-year coach, new system. And they got Wilton Spate, former Michigan quarterback, running uh, running the show there. And he's not exactly the, uh, the, the chalk Chip Kelly type. Correct me if I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this might be the preseason in which we've heard the least about SC. Uh, I just you know, I don't remember it's a because year in recent even the down years in you know, recent past of things to talk about. I think people are. I, I think SC is supposed to have you know a pretty good year, and people do think they're they're going to be a team that could surprise people. But you know they lost Sam Darnold, so that's mm-hmm. they have a new quarterback. They don't have like you know the big time quarterback name underneath them. And the Pac-12 North is so good with you know Oregon having a new head coach. That Washington's supposed to be good. Stanford is a sleeper team with the playoff for a lot of people. And combine that with Khalil Tate's, you know, I mean, he's a, I think he's second or third, you know, favorite, you know, Vegas odds to win the Heisman. So he's kind of the story of that Pac-12 South and Kevin Semlin being down there that I think if it's possible, USC has flown under the radar. They've gotten bumped in the headlines a little bit. I mean, they're still going to be a very good football team. Doesn't mean that there's been a drop off. No, they're going to be the favorite in the Pac-12 South and they should be. But I I, I think that, you know, because of the the North being so good this year and in Khalil Tate in Arizona, that 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 has kind of stolen some of the headlines from them. All right, Matter. Well, I jumped the gun moments ago, but now we're going to move ahead to uh, some SEC football. Let's start in the East. The West, I think, is going to be uh, a little bit more fun. The East maybe have a little bit more parity. But coming out of the East, uh, I like Georgia personally. Everyone's saying this is going to be a comeback season for Florida. Everyone's very excited about Florida. But outside of that, there's really the drop-off when you're talking about South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vandy. Um, I think it's going to be Georgia. Uh, Some question marks on both sides of the ball, but uh, Jake Fromm just showed poise in in the biggest stages over the last – has there the been, small sample size that we'll ha- we it, had, but I think that he's, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but he might be the most 
NFL-ready quarterback that we're going to see in a long time. I wasn't as high on this last season's crop as other people were. I think Jake Fromm is a guy that we see on Sundays pretty soon. I'm with you. I, I think people got excited about last year's crop because there were so many of them, but I'm not sure. I think we yeah. talked about it even. That I, I, well, I think there are a lot of solid pros. I'm not sure there's that kind of next elite quarterback. I do think Jake Fromm can kind of be that guy. But mm-hmm. for a guy who was a true freshman last year who, you know, was fantastic throughout the year, really just had the one bad game against Auburn, but even that wasn't really on him. I don't think anybody was beating Auburn that day. Um, you know, went to a national championship game, had Bama pretty much beat. Um, and I don't really put the loss on him at all whatsoever. No one's really talking about him. No, like, People bring up Georgia, but I feel like Georgia's a team that, because Alabama's back and so good, and because uh, Clemson is supposed to be fantastic again, no one's really talking about the Georgia Bulldogs, and I think they are going to have a sneaky, very good team. I know that, that if you can be sneaky at number three. Um, yeah. I, I know they lost a lot of you know, talent on, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball. I know they lost Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, but... They're still a really talented team, and Kirby Smart has done arguably the best job in the country recruiting the last couple of years, so they're going to have a lot of talent. Yeah, I think that uh, George is one of those programs where maybe in the last five years they've come and come back to their previous glory. Prior to that, it wasn't a reload situation. They lost some talent and then dropped off. I think they're back in that driver's seat where they're recruiting in a way where it is reload and go at yeah, it again. They, they recruit as well as anybody in the country. Yeah. So do I take it? You have Georgia coming out as well. I do have Georgia coming out of the East. So we both have Georgia coming out of the East. The I SEC wonder who you have coming out of the West. Always a good time. Uh, I'm going to go chalk and yeah. probably stay safe with Bama. Auburn's supposed to have a bit of a resurgence this year, as you mentioned previously. And you got to always have your eye on the LSU Tigers. Um, but I just think that there's such a drop-off after Alabama. It is still the top team in the country. It's going to take all your bullets to even stay in a game with them, and I don't think anyone in the conference is going to be able to do that. Maybe Georgia in the SEC championship game, but Bama coming out pretty unscathed out of the SEC West. Oddly enough, I feel like this is I – don't, I don't remember what I was going to say. I had a point, but I forgot what I was going to say, ah. so I'm just going to move on. Um, Alabama, I'm going to go Alabama here. If this was a year that Auburn had the Iron Bowl at home, I think I would have gone with Auburn uh, because, like I said, I I think they're bringing back a lot of talent. they got a great quarterback coming back in Jarrett Stidham, who I think is another kind of under-the-radar Heisman-type guy that that nobody's really talking about. Um, But but I do think it's going to be Bama. Bama's got everybody excited. They're at LSU, but every other big game is at home. Um, I, I I was. I do remember. I was going to say oddly, uh, LSU. Well, well, they're twenty fifth coming out of the. Uh, they're, they're ranked twenty fifth to start the season. They're actually the uh, the their win total in Vegas is seven. <laughs> excuse me, seven oh, and a half. And a lot of the the hot bet in Vegas has been the under total seven and a half wins for LSU. So that's going to huh. be a, that, that's going to be a team. That I don't buy it. I think they're going to still be LSU and win some games, but. Uh, th- that's an interesting bet for me. But Bama is – they got everybody they need at home pretty much except for LSU. Uh, they're at Tennessee on the road, but Tennessee's nothing yet. Um, I-, I got Bama, and I, I think it's going to be Georgia-Bama again. The winner of that's going to be in the playoff and, and probably the one seed, uh, I would have to imagine. But Georgia's another team that also has a lot of their big games at home as well after playing most of them on the road last year. So Georgia-Bama is uh, how we both are picking the SEC championship game. And uh... – I think that that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, when you talk about let's let's just jump off the rails here for a second, and there's always the conversation of 
most talented conference in college football. And it tends to vacillate between ACC, Big Ten, and SEC. And depending where you live, your region, I think that certain fans lean certain ways. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we lean Big Ten. What do you see this year? The depth in talent still go to the Big Ten, but the peak of talent in the SEC, I believe that's the way it's kind of broken down yeah, the last few years. I think I've been kind of on that notion for the, you know, the last few years now, pretty much since the, the Big Ten kind of got this insurgence of great coaches into it. I, mm-hmm. I think the Big Ten is the deepest conference. They don't, outside of Rutgers and Maryland, who are just got awful. Um, everybody, and uh, Illinois, sorry, to the U of I fans who listen, but the rest of the teams <laughs> outside of those three, like, Every team is pretty solid and capable of getting you on a day. You know, if you, if you play them the wrong 11 a.m. start time at home, any one of those teams is kind of capable of getting you. Whereas you look at the SEC, I, I think Alabama and Georgia are two of the best three teams in the country, maybe the two best teams in the country. But that, that depth isn't really there. I think there's a lot more crap at the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's getting a little bit better. I think Ole Miss is only going to get better. Uh, I don't think Arkansas can be that much down for for that long. I think Tennessee is going to get better. I think they finally hired the right guy. Uh, I think Dan Mullen at Florida is going to turn that program and get it back to being you know a nationally prominent type program. But for now, yeah, that depth is there in the Big Ten. I do think the top end talent will always be in the SEC as long as Nick Saban's there. Um, but but I think you hit it right on the head there. That that top end talent's SEC, but the depth is in the Big Ten. Matt, let's move things over to what do you say the ACC as we uh, just uh, briefly I, I, touched upon it and this one might looking be, at it here. Wait, who do you who do you got winning the? Oh, you know we'll we'll, we'll hold off on who wins that conference championship game because that's going to be part of our playoff reveal later. Uh, the ACC or for the SEC? SEC, gotcha. That's professional um, tease right there. There you go. Uh, but the ACC, which I'm looking at it here, I was I think unaware prior to this. ACC is the Atlantic and the Coastal Division. That's I remember correct. Coastal. I don't remember it being the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference Atlantic okay. is the, yeah, okay. A little redundancy department of redundancy there. Well, that's there. just the divisions, so. It's, yeah, no, what I else got do it. you want to call them? Uh, the Legends and the Leaders, please. Oh, yeah, because that worked. <laughs> RIP Legends and Leaders. Uh, all right, well, let's, start, let's start in the Atlantic where. Can I think we just both pretty, take Clemson? Well, yeah, we're both going to take Clemson here. Florida State. I think is your biggest uh, your biggest hurdle there, your, your biggest contender. But uh, Clemson, I think, going to run through the, the Atlantic and crossover schedule. Florida State will be fun. I think I, they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. I, I know some people are kind of iffy on DeAndre Francois. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, they, they do have Clemson at home this year, and that, that could be a pretty big game for them. But they also got a tough schedule. They open up at Virginia – or not – sorry, it's going to be a neutral site with Virginia Tech, I believe. Uh, they they got to go to Miami – uh, they got to go to Notre Dame at the end of the season. No matter what kind of happens with Notre Dame, a, a night game in November in South Bend, Indiana, is not going to be an ideal situation for a team nope. from Florida. Uh, they, they got themselves a tough schedule, but I, I, I think it's Clemson. I don't, I don't think it's all that difficult of a decision from the the Atlanta Conference. There, that that team's going to be so good. They're returning just about all their their talent defensively. They could have yeah. had four defensive linemen all go pro last year and be first round picks. No, they all decided to come back, which is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, um, it's going to be it's going to be a professional defensive line out there. They're they going have, to be doing things that unless you, that unless you have a, a offensive line with a couple of uh, Sunday prospects on it, you're you're in big trouble. Yeah. as is the guy under center. Uh, that talk about you know coaches that have recruited as well as any. I know we talked about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Dabo Swinney's right up there as well, and there's a reason that. 
you know, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia starting the year one, two, three. Matt, the ACC Coastal Division, on the other hand, uh, might be a little bit more interesting due to their lack of talent, but uh, I don't know much about the ACC Coastal. That's why, when in doubt, throw up the throw up the U and uh, get on board with Miami. You know, that's not a bad pick to make at all. They're, they're talented again coming back. I believe they're returning the same quarterback as well. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Virginia Tech. Um, I think it's going to come down basically to that Virginia Tech-Miami game like so many of these divisions do. It's like they almost plan to schedule the uh, the big games at the end of the season, Joe. It's, it, it's crazy like that. Um, but I, I think they're going to come out of this. is going to come out of Virginia Tech and Miami. Virginia Tech hasn't been home last year. They went down to Miami and, and kind of got the uh, the doors blown off them. I think there's going to be a little bit of a re- revenge game, and that game will probably be a night game. Virginia Tech at night is always a really awesome atmosphere. So I'm going to I'm going to take the Hokies. A little bit of an upset there coming out of the ACC Coastal to uh, to take on Clemson in the ACC championship. I like that. I like that. Well, we've knocked out four of the Power Five here. We find ourselves just with Big 12 football to talk about, Matt. Uh, make make a big prediction for me coming out of the Big 12. You want my big prediction? Give me your big prediction. My big prediction, West Virginia is going to win the Big 12. I like it. I They got a Heisman Trophy quarterback in Will Greer. They got a, a great trio of receivers. Another really strong defensive line. <laughs> no, it is. It is, I know, but it's it's funny to listen to somebody like compliment a Big Twelve defense. That's why I laugh because when you talk <laughs> Big Twelve, everyone's always like, "Yeah, they got a great quarterback, great receivers, great weapons." You got to score sixty five yeah, points to I win don't a think football I've game. Ever heard, Big Twelve overs is like my favorite thing in the world to bet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, they got some great receivers coming back. David Sills uh, leading that pack. Uh, former Friar Michael Laughlin. Uh, was in a, he was in a position to, to get some tick this year, but unfortunately suffered a, uh, an injury in camp. I don't believe he's going to be playing this year. Um, but I, I love that West Virginia group. I love Will Greer. I think you know, he is rightfully uh, at the top of most people's Heisman list or, or somewhere mm-hmm. close to it. And uh, I, I think West Virginia, they got a, a tough schedule this year, but it's not you know unbeatable. And I, I think they're going to surprise some people. I love Dana Holgerson, what he does there. And I'm going to go with the the Mountaineers, Joe. That's my bold Big 12 prediction. Now let's hear you pick Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Oklahoma. What going to be really going to be really interesting to see how Kyler Murray runs this offense in comparison to his predecessor uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. But it's uh, it's an outstanding talent under center. He's he's a guy who could have gone and played for the. I believe he was drafted by Oakland. The actually, you're uh, A's. You're yeah, he was drafted by the A's. Yeah, he was drafted by the A's and could have left, but he came back and he he knew that the position was his, and now we're going to see what he can do with it. I think Oklahoma versus West Virginia is kind of going to decide this one. As yeah, I think said. that's your de facto uh, conference championship game. They play each other on November 23rd. I have heard rumblings of a uh, Texas turn in the corner, resurgence headed in the right direction, use whatever cliche you want. Um, I think they but, are, but I'll believe it when I see it. Like They got exactly. to first. I've, I've heard Texas is back for the last three or four years. And they, they've taken steps towards that, absolutely. Uh, and I think Tom Herman is the right guy. Yeah. I think he's going to be there for a while. I think he's a great head coach. But it's just, it's still, it's only a second year. It's a little soon to start the whole, you know, Texas is Everyone, going, you know, winning the Big 12 type thing. Like, let's, let's give him some time. Everyone let's, talks about the culture that Tom Herman fosters and that kind of follows him wherever he goes. He's, he's a player's coach. Guys really like him. But it takes a while to implement culture for guys to really buy in. You're always going to have 
and, and not to get away from college here, but you think of the Lovey Smith transition and how shaky that was. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have the guys holding on. I listened to Brian Urlacher on uh, Pat McAfee's podcast, which aired, I think, two, three days ago. He was still talking about how much he hated it when Lovey was fired. Like, guys just guys just don't let go of that. Let it That's go, their man. coach. So um, I think you still got some, uh, some Charlie Strong uh, in the building. But uh, as as you get further removed from that, I think Texas comes further back and further back. So um, it should be a uh, should it's not be an interesting time yet. But I think we'll no. we, we'll be talking in a couple we'll, of years time. Uh, on this October sixth. I'm looking at the schedule right now. October sixth will tell a big story. Oklahoma, Oklahoma versus Texas. Always a fun matchup right there. But I got Oklahoma coming do, out of the Big do Twelve. Do you buy? I'm going to guess it's a no because you're taking Oklahoma. But do you buy into this whole? You know. Don't fully buy into Kyler Murray this year because he's already signed, you know, a, a contract that's paying him nine mil, and there might be a little bit of a I don't buy know, be into careful him. type thing. I, I, I'm be, I'm a be careful with him because I'm always be careful with a five foot ten quarterback. Like yeah. I, he's not a big kid. He's dual threat, but his greater of the dual threats is running the football. Mm-hmm. Also, something that always makes me wary. Obviously, you can succeed that way at the collegiate level i.e. Lamar Jackson and all of these guys who did it before him. But it is a conundrum. It's a situation where you got a guy who's a run-first quarterback. I don't know how well he can throw it. He's also signed a a a, a seven-figure, eight-figure contract to play a different sport, and he does have to have his – I don't care – how free and clear his head is somewhere in the back of that head is the thought yeah. of health for baseball. So that could hinder him. And now you have me second guessing my Oklahoma pick, but I'm sticking with, I'm it's, sticking with it, the Sooners. It's, it's still the safe pick. They're still a fantastic team. They're still incredibly talented. They have the best coach, I think in the big 12, one of the best coaches in the country. I think Lincoln Riley has just yeah. filled in for Bob Stoops without, you know, missing a beat. And I, I think he's a fantastic coach. And that offense is just so quarterback friendly that I don't doubt there's a way for, for Lincoln Riley, if there is even that doubt, to, to figure out a way to you know, make that not work in his favor, but make that work in his offense. Because we saw, what, not that Baker Mayfield wasn't uber talented, but we saw what that offense did for Baker Mayfield the last couple of years. Matt, we're talking quarterbacks now, and it's just kind of jogged my memory. We glossed over it uh, in, uh, in the SEC conversation. Who do you have starting under center, or what do you think the situation looks like in, uh, in Tuscaloosa? I think you'll see Tua. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a reason that he hasn't named the starters and kind of gave them both equal reps because he wanted them both to stick around and not transfer. But it, yeah. it is, is good, as good as Jalen Hurts has been the last couple of years, as good as his record is, as much as he doesn't really turn over the football. Tua's um, a future Heisman Award winner. That's, I think so. He's and a rare talent. I, I do. Like, I'm also not all in on this whole, like, to a, for Heisman this year, train because he's playing in a really tough conference. He's going to have some big games on the road. This is still his first year starting. He stepped in against Georgia and made a you know couple huge throws. He also wasn't all that good in the third quarter. He took yeah. some time. He struggled against a really good team, as you would expect a freshman to do, getting thrown right into it. But I think there's going to be a few more growing pains this year for him than, than people expect. Not that he's going to be bad. I still think he's going to be a very good quarterback. I think you'll see both play, um, but. I think he's kind of the go-to guy, and I, I think for good reason. But I also think it's not going to be the smoothest transition, and you're just going to you know, be a Heisman winner right the first time you step on the field when it really matters. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that sentiment. I do think we see some sort of mixture of the two. 
but Nick Saban knows who his better quarterback is. And uh, I believe that that's Tua Tagovailoa. And the, the, the whole, you know, this is Jalen Hurts' team. You got to respect him. Yeah, you respect you gotta the win kid. A football game. He's a senior leader, but Nick Saban and every coach is going to put the best players out there to give you a chance to win. And if that's Tua, then it's going to be Tua. And according to a lot of a lot of the the talking heads around the nation and the analysts, I believe Kirk Herbstreit came on a I don't know whose radio show it was, but said that if it's Tua, Alabama's going to score 50, 60 points a game and just pray for the competition because that's what he sees out of this kid and this offense. And if he sees it and if Saban sees it, that's just the way it's going to be. I trust those two. I, I do think, though, you might see not to the extent that it happened for Notre Dame in, in what was 2013, 2012. Mm-hmm. You might see a little bit of a Everett Golson and Tommy Reese type where, where I think it's going to be to his team. He's going to get the majority of the starts. But I wouldn't be surprised if – you know, if, if there's a couple bad drives here from two short leash, hot hand it, type yeah. thing, it, it's yeah. it's going to be it, it's going to be to his team, and he's going to get the majority of the big drives. But I could see you know Jalen Hurts coming in certain times here, if you if you want more of a, a running drive where you want to kill some clock, if if you want to just you know take care of the football a little bit more, if Tuas you know throws an interception, comes back, goes three and out again, just give yourself a little bit of a change, get the other guy a breather, and just kind of recollect yourself. I wouldn't be shocked if that's how they run this offense. Matt, uh, I think I just kind of had a moment of clarity and just thought of our next T-shirt that that we can well, we still produce get here for the pod. Independence Matter too. Oh, I like that. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go non-conference conversation right here, and we were lucky enough to bring on, as we mentioned in the intro, uh, one foot down staff writer Phil Goff. He writes for the SB Nation affiliate to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. ND fans are going to love this. Non-ND fans, soak it in and get angry because college football season is here. Here's Phil Goff giving us an in-depth look at the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Not so fast! I will not ask about ice cream. Do you you not want to bring that up? (coughs) Still still a sore subject, but, you know. There's something I need to know about before we get into this. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, no, I'll tell the story. Was freshman year of high school? No, I'm sorry. This would have been seat. Senior year of no, high school. This was this was freshman year of high school. I think it was whatever. It was in high school. Uh, Matt was drunk the whole time anyway. I wasn't actually. <laughs> I was the sober one in high school. I'll have you know. I know. Me too. Uh, yeah, and uh, Phil came over. I think it was after Friday night or whatever Saturday night game. And we were just watching college football, and Phil ended up sleeping over. We, we stayed both slept on the couch in the basement, and there was uh-huh. there was a uh, one strawberry shortcake bar left in the freezer. <laughs> and I bought them, and I called dibs. And then you did not yeah. call dibs. You did not call dibs. Phil decided to grab it. Wait, wait whose wait. house are you at? We're at, we're at Rooney's. But yeah, we're, we're at Rooney's. No, no, no. I think that in that case, the way I was raised as the host, you have to begrudgingly offer the last no, bar to your I, guest. He had like five of them the, the night before. <laughs> okay, well that changes the landscape a bit. Yeah, hold, hold, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let, can, can I can I get it? Can I get a word in? Uh, word in? So. <laughs> We we had it was like a box of like it was like a like a six pack that I each had. Well, your it's your dad purchased. Come on, it was yeah. it, we were we were like twelve years old. Um, <laughs> Matt saw them. He was at the grocery store. He yeah. picked them out. Exactly. Yeah, neither of us could drive at this point, so we weren't buying anything. <laughs> and so essentially, we both had like two at night, and there was like one left over. And I woke up in the morning, and Rooney was still sleeping. You know, and you know, it was my breakfast. 
can't can't argue with that. I, I, woke, up, I woke up to Phil taking the first bite. Of <laughs> as a it non-biased, was, as a non-biased arbiter in the situation, you I've are never seen. Biased. You're always. I've ne- no, no, no. I've never seen a pack of strawberry shortcake with five cakes in them. But I've always seen there, 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 there was, you got there was four, one. No, no, there, there were six. No, there, there was, was one that was already six. eaten. There was one that was already eaten though, from like Rooney eating it the night before. So there was like five in there. You ate the last. I ate the, I ate the last one. But to make up for it, I apologized. And then, Joe, listen apologize. to this. Listen to this. I apologized. And I didn't just apologize with words. I With actual gifts. So oh, to, make up, made, to make up for it, to make up for it, he made I, gave, I, I, gave, I gave Rooney one of my favorite ties because he said he loved it. And then he wore that tie throughout the rest of high school. Yeah, probably just, never, probably never untied it. Tied it once mm-hmm. and hung it on yeah. the door. That's not yeah. true. I always, I always retied them. And so I thought that was enough. But <laughs> I think I've still... accused you of that here on the podcast before, Matt. Actually, uh, it's it's still a sore subject. That's all. Okay. It hurts. You know. Funny. Well, I'm glad we you guys are able to. I'm, we all have I'm glad you guys are able to move past it. In yeah. your, uh, and, and Matt, your Matt, like, Matt doesn't hold. He doesn't hold grudges. So it's really. <laughs> Never. Oh, All right, Matt. Well, you want to get this thing rolling? Do you have everything? Oh yeah, we're uh, recording. Yeah, we we've been recording. I got that. I always. I think we just include that. I think I think we make that the uh, that's the that's a little bit of an intro right that's there. That's the intro um, into the to the interview. If you didn't pick it up, or if you don't already know, we're joined by Phil Goss. Uh, he is a staff writer with One Foot Down, the SB Nation affiliate of the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So covering the Irish this fall. And beyond, Phil, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, big fan uh, of you guys and looking forward to chatting. Oh, well, we appreciate that. And, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, this is actually the first time we've had guests on before. We've gone three wide, but uh, we are in three different time zones today. Three Matt, Matt, the man of leisure, finds himself in Michigan. Uh, and you're coming to us South from Bend, Indiana. I'm, South I'm, from, South I'm from the campus, Joe. Gotcha. Ooh, so you're coming. You're coming to us on site for this Notre Dame uh, portion you know, of the podcast. I, I am that dedicated that I decided I should record this interview from South Bend. Uh, you're golfing, so but I appreciate the sure. happenstance that tends to work in your favor here. But uh, let's dive right in. I know uh, a lot to break down here, Phil, but. I just want to come at you in the most general of aspects, the most general way. I am a Notre Dame fan who has been grinding the wheel, covering other teams for the last however long, and I've gotten away from my team. I need your cliff notes. I need to know what I need to watch for come come Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, where do you, where do you want to start? Offense, defense, general? Take, offense. Take it away. Take yeah, it offensively. Because we obviously there's a there's a quarterback decision quarterback situation going on, but beyond that, you got to give me uh, you got to give me your insight. Yeah, so we'll kick it off with the offense. So obviously the returning starter Brandon Wimbush um, had some asterisks around him. Uh, people remember the last game of the year last year versus LSU. He got yanked. Uh, Ian Book, the backup, came in, did pretty well, led to a prolific end of game walk off touchdown. Um, and so I think. A Tua Tagovailoa of the Midwest situation, if you will. <laughs> yeah, so I think people's reaction going into the offseason was because of how the season ended, there was going to be a controversy in the offseason. But mm-hmm. if you kind of look through all the smoke, there's really been no controversy. Um, the two quarterbacks are extremely different. Brandon Wimbush set the all-time record for rushing touchdowns for a quarterback last year. 
was a decent passer, um, showed a lot of um, a lot of aptitude throwing the ball deep and over the middle, but really struggled in the short game. And so that's really what mm. stuck with people. A quarterback mm-hmm. who struggled to make the easy throws. Um, but if you break it down, he didn't have a ton of turnovers. His offensive efficiency was extremely high. And so I think when you cut through all the smoke, there's really no controversy. I think we're going to go into it. Brian Kelly has said our starter day one is Brandon Wimbush. I'm confident in him. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be a situation where we will see Book come in multiple times throughout the year, but it's not going to be a back and forth who's the guy. I think it's more going to be looking at it from the standpoint of you have two guys with two vastly different skill sets. Where this is kind of and Phil, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I can't help but think I can't help but think that this has kind of been par for the course. We've seen this situation times before in South Bend during the Brian Kelly era. It seems exactly that, you know? like almost Everett Golston and Tommy Reese back in yeah, it was yeah. 2013 where, yeah, it was Golston's team, but, you know, here and there when, you know, he was struggling or they needed to change a look, change a pace on their offense, Brian Kelly didn't hesitate to go to Tommy. I, I, I see the similarities, and I actually made a note mm-hmm. of that just to bring up that I think that's what people are going to want to compare this to. But what I kind of saw in that was, if you remember, do you guys remember like looking when Everett Golson would look up into the camera and see just like the ultimate puppy dog eyes when he was struggling? <laughs> I can, I can, I think I can harken back. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so for me, it was he would look up and just be like, he needed help, and yeah. um, it was like he needs to be yanked. We need to put in, you know, rocket arm, noodle arm, whatever you want to call him, Tommy Reese, who would go in and absolutely manage the game. Um, it was a pure, you know, game manager. And I think when you yeah. look at it, I think the better overall passer in that situation was clearly Everett Golston. And he could run, but he wasn't like a prolific running quarterback. He wasn't running so first, you, no. And when you look at this situation, you have a guy, Brandon Wimbush, who ran for 800-plus yards last year and had 14 rushing touchdowns. And he rushed for over 200 yards in a game. So he can go in and he can, if he's struggling in the pass, can absolutely take over with his feet. Um, yeah, there's so with an explosiveness the, there. Exactly, and with the um, Tommy Reese situation, it's not like either one. It's not like you could go in and have Everett Golson take over with his feet if he was struggling with the pass. Where I think mm-hmm. we'll see Wim, Wimbush be able to rely on that. So we'll see a situation where if Wimbush is struggling in the pass, they're loading up the box, and Notre Dame can't get it going with him on the ground. Then I think what it brings in is you can bring in Book not to necessarily like shake it up, but to kind of hit the Tommy Reese. S passes, where he's hitting yeah. the five to ten yard timing routes, the you know twelve to fifteen yard curls, but that'll really limit them from a deep standpoint. But uh, Kelly has gone on record saying a couple times, listen, if Wimbush is getting going in the run and he runs six straight times and he's getting gassed, we have no problem putting in book and going in and having him take over for a couple plays while Wimbush gathers himself again because he's a guy who can go in there and he's going to hit all the timing routes and I think that's important to have so I think we'll find out pretty clear how much of a role he's going to play based on what how Wimbush looks hitting the timing short routes because we know he's got a rocket arm to throw the ball 70 plus yards but it'll be really telling right away to see if he's connecting on those short routes. The most important thing when you have any of these three or two two quarterback situations is that the team has belief in both of them, and that's very rare in these situations. Do you feel like the team believes in either one of these guys under center or behind center? I do because both of them in situations last year have, took over a game and won them. So, so success, yeah, a lot of success, and it's it's 
you know, all hunky-dory to say that and everything before the first game is, you know, these guys are going to compliment, compliment each other, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's going to be a different story versus Michigan, and I, I, I don't see a situation where if Wimbush is struggling and they yank him right away or the team gives up on him. And I think because mm-hmm. of his ability to, you know, dominate with his legs, he can always back it up from that standpoint. He was struggling a little bit in the past last year versus BC out of the gates, and then I think he just said, you know what, I'm just going to do this with my feet. And he ran for 200-plus yards. Yeah. And so he has, the, he has that ability to be an elite runner. So uh, I think mm-hmm. when you take all things considered, the only thing if Wimbush, if we really is failing, is if he is struggling in the pass and then can't make up for it in the run, which I think Book will fill in nicely. But I don't see a situation where Wimbush tanks on all aspects and it's really like, fans pushing to book book in because with book you know what you're going to get um, yeah you know he's a you know six he is what he is he is what he is a six foot guy with average speed more than athletic enough to make his own read and run for 15 yards can hit the timing routes but he's not going to you know do a dart on the money 30 yards yeah, he's never going to wow you no now, I, I Bill, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the weapons they have coming back on offense. You mentioned Wimbush is an elite runner. Josh Adams was an elite running back. He's not here anymore. Equimenius St. Brown was a, a very talented wide receiver. He also went pro. Who are some of the guys that are going to be looked to, you know, be new standouts from a weapon standpoint offensively and kind of fill those big shoes that are being left behind? Yeah, so a guy that I want you to kind of want everyone to write down this year, a guy who hasn't had one single college play so far, is Jafar Armstrong. Uh, Great so name. He, yeah, another fantastic yeah, yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely dynamite. Uh, quickly on the name game, they have an incoming freshman running back whose name is Saborius Flemister. Sebo Flemister. I like Sebo. I like Sebo. Yeah. Sebo. So just I'm looking name. forward to the. Uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to making some Aladdin puns here with Jafar, though. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I need him in the news. <laughs> so he's uh, he's a guy who came in who has he set the all time record for um, receiving touchdowns in Kansas high school football history. Who last year spent his time as a wide receiver on the scout team um, was praised for his athletic ability, but they were pretty deep at wide receiver, so couldn't crack any time last year. And with the departure of Josh Adams to the NFL. Uh, two running backs got kicked off the team for suspension. And then there's kind of a hush-hush suspension for the first four games for Dexter Williams, who is, towards the end of the season, absolutely going to be their go-to go-to running back. Um, but there's been some discipline within the school that Kelly can't comment about. So it's kind of mm. just known that he's not going to play for the first four games. So it's never been officially said. So the guy to look to in that situation is going to be at running back Jafar Armstrong. So he is what Brian Kelly has commented a the most theoretic esque player that I've had since the okay. Um so he's, you know, six one, two hundred and ten pounds, who's shifty and has really good hands out of the backfield. So where his strengths really lie are one, getting through the line of scrimmage quickly and making people miss, as well as getting involved in the screen game as well as the short running game. So I'm I absolutely think he could have, you know, Probably fifty-fifty in terms of the amount of yard, amount of receptions he has versus the amount of carries that he has, because he has such a weapon coming out of the backfield. So getting him the ball on on swing passes, getting him out on the edge. He's a guy who has just a he has a receiver skill set in a hmm. running back body. So what I'm most curious to see is how he's going to do 
in the and if they play him in the short yardage downs. I don't see him being a short yardage back, but you know, from a first and second down back, I think he's going to be the go to guy um come come Saturday versus Michigan. Now, I also I got to bring up the big boys up front. Uh, that's that's where that's my background. Obviously, that's where I I, uh, I did all my playing. Um, <laughs> my discipline. They lost obviously you know two top ten draft picks. Uh, you know now gone to the NFL. They do have with Sam Muster and Alex Sparks. Sparks coming back. I believe they're both captains too. So how is that offensive line? Obviously, there's going to be a drop off from last year, but they're facing a tough test and arguably the, the best defensive front or one of them uh, in Michigan coming in here Saturday night. So what should we expect to see from them? How much of a, a learning curve do you think there's going to be? I don't think it's much because essentially they're returning four guys because, yeah, we lost McGlinchey and Nelson, which their drop-off is, is going to be seen. But yeah. both, um, you know, Mustafa and Alex Bars are very senior guys who come in with a lot of experience. And then Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsey. Uh, both split time at right tackle in 2017. So when you look at it that way, we're really returning four starters on the line. So, you know, not terribly worried about it. I think there's going to be a bit of a drop-off. But, you know, if you look at Notre Dame's offensive line production for the past 10 years, it's been plug-and-play, plug-and-play, next guy up. And so I think consistent. And, you know, we lost the offensive line coach to the Bears, but the – you know, what I what I think is, is built and ingrained, especially in some of those veteran guys, is the culture of the offensive line, which is, you know, a mean, nasty streak of guys who are going to be, you know, pretty disciplined. Um so I yeah, think I think it's uh, going to That's oral history. That's that's how you build that's how you build that type of culture. Guys it pass it on to the younger guys and if they continue to do that, that's how you have success over a decade span. Obviously no way to really fill the shoes of two top 10 guys, uh, it, it's just, it, you're talking about a very rare occurrence. I forget when it happened prior, but it's been a while since you know, two guys in the same offensive line go as early as uh, McGlinchey and Nelson did, and for good reason. But um, if, if you're saying that it, it was more built in uh, these guys adopting that culture and, and making it their own, then that's, I guess that's, that's good enough reason for me to feel good about this offensive line. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, there's plenty of drop off. You don't you don't return you don't yeah. lose two guys who are going to be day one NFL starters. So I think between yeah. them, they may have given up one sack last year. Um, I uh, it, I've had my I've got my eyes on McGlinchey a couple times here at camp with the Niners, and I've never seen something that large move that way. He's it's it's cliche, but like he's he's so light on his feet. He looks like he could play tight end if they needed him to. I mean, he's big enough obviously to play offensive line, but he's just nimble. And Quentin Nelson has a six-pack. It's what? <laughs> it's, just like, it's like, come on. It's ridiculous. These guys don't make sense. Phil, <laughs> yeah. uh, so you um, talked about losing Harry Heastan. That's one coach left. Another one was Mike Elko got just absolutely paid, I believe, over at Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, I believe they pro- promoted from within uh, for you know, with their new defensive coordinator, but that side of the ball not really getting talked about all that much, but they got a lot of talent coming back. Uh, Drew Twank, Tranquil, Julian Love, uh, Tavon Coney. So is that a, is that a group that's, that's underrated that has some potential, or, or what do you think about the defense? Are they going to feel the loss of Mike Elko, or is that kind of like you were talking about with the offensive line? There's just kind of been that culture built in there. No, and I don't I don't think there was necessarily the culture built in by the players. Elko was a, a one and done guy. Came from Wake Forest, got promoted up to Notre Dame. Saw the money. You can't. You can't I mean, you can't blame the guy for taking the money. He got, he got paid. paid. He got paid out. I know people. Some some people, people are like, professional goals. <laughs> yeah. It's people. I know. Fisher money. 
yeah, some of some of the uh, some of the buzz around it was like, "Where's your loyalty to Notre Dame?" The guy was yeah, there for, for years. The guy was there for one two and year. Half million dollars a year. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that I would do for two and a half million dollars a year. And <laughs> <laughs> switching switching schools to make a lot more money and moving and going into the SEC. To, Not it, the word it was on the list. Not yeah. the, <laughs> oh goodness. Um, so. I, I wouldn't say that it's it's a it's a you know it's built in, but I think it is built into the players because we're returning some some senior guys, and I wouldn't say this is a group with some optimism. I would say this is a group with the mentality that they should be a top ten, maybe top five defense in college football. Um, and I'm that's something where I am absolutely you know I'm locked in on mostly because they're returning nine starters, but in reality they're really returning ten starters. Because the a guy to look out for this year who didn't play a snap of football last year is uh, the starting free safety, Alohi Gilman. So he started off as a freshman at Navy, started as a freshman at Navy, was led the led the secondary in tackles, pass breakups, and forced fumbles, and then transferred to Notre Dame because of I think it was like an eligibility rule with the NFL allowing Navy guys to, or something with the Navy allowing them to jump to the NFL right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our thanks to our great friends at the NCAA, they made him sit out last year despite his appeal. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. But mm-hmm. it was a guy who last year, Kelly was saying, would have been the starter at free safety who had to spend oh, wow. the entire year on the scout team. So you can imagine the type of you know psyche that goes through a guy who's that hungry to play. He's got to be chopping at the bit to get in there. Man, and, and especially with the – I don't know if you're aware of uh, Notre Dame strength coach Matt Bayless, but he's just been making – just turning guys into absolute moose. Um, and so he, he came in and obviously had a year pretty much dedicated to just getting as big and as fast as he can while just dominating on scout teams. So he had to be – I think he had to be – he got kicked off the field six times or for, in six practices because he was being too aggressive on the scout team, which is kind of, kind of what you want. That's where he was getting his reps, um, so that's definitely encouraging on the back end. Yeah, so he's he's going to be an absolute force. You know, in the spring game, he came out, and he was my, you know, I think last year, was like, uh, or in the spring, we had to give like a hot take, and I said he's my early candidate for, you know, potential, you know, All-American honors from a guy who you wouldn't expect it from. Because um, huh. he's, you know, had, he, he was away, he was away a year from football. Um, and I think he's just been chopping at the bit to get in. And then the secondary that he's surrounded by is absolutely phenomenal. So Julian Love last year, All-American cornerback, a local Chicago guy from Nazareth. Nazareth, right, yeah. Um, yeah, so he was second in the country in PBUs, had three picks, two returned for touchdowns, um, and is projected first-team All-American this year. Um, and he's actually, people are kind of saying coming out of camp, it's kind of neck and neck between who's the best corner because the guy across from him, Troy Pride Jr. ran. Uh, he came out at the end of last season. Uh, ended up starting the last four or five games. Came out this spring. Who's a track guy? Ran a four-three flat forty. That's pretty good, I think. Right? Yeah. That's fast. Yeah. That's fast. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so he's a guy. You know, you have two lockdown corners. We're yeah. both clearly NFL caliber guys, and what that does, not just for the secondary. Um, but for the both for the line and the linebackers, because knowing that you have two lockdown corners on the outside frees up everything. Mm-hmm. And so, but, uh, obviously, with, with those types of options at safety and at corner, you can pretty much do anything you want. These these kids are are hot on the learning curve. What should we expect Notre Dame to play predominantly this year, coverage wise? 
Um, I think we're probably going to see a mix of uh, probably a base base and a lot of a lot of cover four. I think they just trust mm-hmm. the speed a speed across the secondary. But I think what we'll see is um, I think not maybe early in the season. I, I think probably midway through the season they'll really ramp up ramp up the blitzes, and we'll see a lot of man coverage on the outside. Um, yeah, especially yeah, especially yeah. that option. Yeah, and they'll toss in they'll toss in a, a nickelback Sean Crawford. Who um, who's kind of a honey badger esque player, guys who was only five eight, five nine, but just has a knack for the football. And so he mm-hmm. started at nickel, nickel the last couple of years. I don't know if you remember the play versus Michigan State last year. The Michigan State running back was going, looks like he was going to step in the end zone on his own. Crawford like Superman dove out of nowhere, punched it out of his hands, and then recovered yeah, it. And that's just the type of play that that he will make. Um, yeah. And so I think I think the ability to have uh, him come in in nickel packages, but be a force off the edge blitzing, kind of similar to how the Honey Badger would always come off the edge. But then also mm-hmm. having three elite cover guys in man coverage really opens things up to do some interesting blitzes from the linebackers and a lot of twists from from kind of the big eaters up front because those are some guys that are um, definitely hungry to get more sacks because I think last year it was definitely a, a little bit of a, I think we had like 24 sacks. I think we should get, you know, 30, 35 plus this year. Gonna give uh, gonna give opposing quarterbacks eighteen to twenty two year olds uh, a lot to think about if you're coming at yeah. them with uh, a varied attack that way definitely yeah uh, I think we have, Bill, we have oh go ahead sorry no, no no after you after you I was just gonna I was gonna, uh, I was take gonna us say to, uh, take us to a, a Vegas angle but <laughs> go ahead um, I think two guys to look off off the edge which I'm excited about uh, Dalen Hayes who's a former five star recruit. And Julian Aquara, who is a brother of the current New York Giant, Romeo Aquara. They're both two really athletic, tall defensive ends who are not, you know, not massive guys, but just having some speed off the edge. Look for both those guys yeah. to speed rush. Are some, some pretty big disruptions. That's, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. It sounds like the defense, like you said, that has somehow uh, flown a bit under the radar um, is going to be – could be the highlight of this team. Could be a lot of fun to watch, yeah. Uh, as I said prior, Phil, going to take us to the desert here, as we always do on the Moose and Rooms podcast. Speaking of which, uh, I'm already 0-2, guys. I lost both my bets last night. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. Matt. That's good that's to be back. It good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Vegas currently has the fighting Irish, I believe, at a 8.5 over-under on win total. Uh, you, sound pretty, you sound pretty optimistic on these guys. Uh, is it safe to say that you're over that 8.5? I yeah, I'm definitely over the eight and a half. Um, yeah, I would I would absolutely I would absolutely buy that one. I yeah. I already plan on it. I think it's it's tough schedule, but <laughs> Matt already has. I, I can't not. I haven't done it yet. I'm going to. Okay. Not that big of a problem. Um, Phil, <laughs> Joe, Joe, and I always wrap up. Uh, this is going to be airing on our, our football selection show, our football preview show, and uh, we're going to make our predictions at the end here. But we want to get one from you. Give me your four playoff teams and give me a Heisman winner. Ooh, let's see, four playoff teams. I'm going to go um, – I think you have to go with Clemson and Alabama. Um, I'll do Clemson, Alabama. I'm going to toss Notre Dame in the mix because I have to. Um, I love, it. love it. I'll, I'll toss like, like we said, work opportunities. Yeah. Work opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll toss that in the mix. And then – Let's see. Um, who do I want for my fourth? Uh, you know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty high on Georgia still. Um, it's yeah, hard not I, to be. I, I I like Jake Fromm. I just watched that documentary. Um, I don't know if either of you've seen that. The 
Uh, it was him and two other five-star oh, quarterbacks. I, I, I know exactly. I don't remember the name of it, but they they basically followed him throughout their uh, their high school senior year or something. Yeah, and yeah. watching what what a psychopath Fromm was with how competitive he was against his brothers <laughs> and just totally non consequential things with like ping pong and duck hunter yeah. and just have him rip on his brothers for you know anything you know tells me the type of guy he is from a competitive standpoint. So I'm 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 in on Georgia. And, and then, give me a Heisman prediction. Uh, give me a psychopath. Taking Brandon Wimbush. <laughs> No, I don't think. I think I, Wimbush. He could. Was, he could get some. He could get some buzz. You know, he'll he'll rush for like 220 yards. I think he'll, the first couple of games of the season he might come out pretty hot, but I don't think he'll have it down the stretch. I, I don't think he'll have the, the you know uh, the numbers from a throwing perspective to, to ever be in that conversation. But uh, I like Julian Love. I think he's going. Or sorry, Bryce Love. I was going to say that that that's a real big one taking a corner. Um, <laughs> I, Charles I, Woodson did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I like Bryce Love. I think he's going to be a very dominant, dominant back this year. Um, scares the hell out of me versus Notre Dame. But I think, I think Notre Dame holds him for under a hundred. That's that's. that's I, I love it. I love. I don't know if many. Team. Yeah, because I don't know if many teams are going to do that this season. Yeah. He looks primed to have, uh, like you said, a, a Heisman type campaign if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Phil. Joe, how much, do, you, do you have anything else? I have one more before we wrap up here. Did it? Okay, Phil, I have been, ever since the Miami game last year, I've, I've pretty much gone yeah. on record saying I will not believe in, in a Brian Kelly team. I'm not going to buy in until oh. they actually win, win a meaningful November game. Which I've I had to talk is, them down on this podcast. I don't think that's of unfair time. of me. I don't think that's unfair of me. Why? What? What makes this year? I mean, they're, they're getting you know preseason buzz. Some people like them to go to the playoffs. Some people call them a dark horse. They're saying could win ten, eleven games, whatever. Why should I believe this year is going to be any different than kind of what we've seen in the past? Where they're, they're good years where they get off to a hot start and lose you know an important game in November. Um, I'm going to go from the standpoint of I'm a I'm a realistic optimist. So I'm you know I'm always I'm total pessimist. Never believe <laughs> things are going to happen. <laughs> so. Anyway, you know, seeing okay. it, just really seeing it into existence over there, Matt. I, you know, I like to have my expectations low, so if I exceed them or what I want to happen exceeds them, then I'm pleasantly surprised. You know, it's going to be a good explanation when it starts with, you know, y- you know. <laughs> so we're going to be um, on this podcast, too? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're drawing to a close here. We're drawing to a close. I, I asked our guest a question, not you. I Yes, yes. Talk amongst yourself. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, so um, I think I, I think the biggest reason for optimism is the defense. So I think everyone looks to have an offense that lights things lights things up. But if you look at the run we had in 2012, you know it was solely the defense. It was all defense. Uh, it was all defense. Defense was uh, an some, offense that kind of had some opportunistic, you know, touchdowns. Which, yeah, which I think, I think is the similar situation this year. You know, you, you return a defense that was, you know, top 20 in college football last year, and you return nine guys, and one of your, the other guys who you're returning is a former starting safety elsewhere. You know, when you return 10 guys who are confident, competent college football players, um, you know, you always have reason for optimism. But I think where it is, it's not like we're returning just a really talented freshman from last year. We're returning, you know, senior captain linebackers, uh, you know, senior starting D-tackle, uh, you know, a senior strong safety. 
So having the guys not just who are coming back talented, but guys who are coming back talented who are clearly in a leadership role. Um, so I think it's I think it's much it's, it's very much as a, not necessarily a Brian Kelly thing this year, but it's how good can our defense be? Because I think it, our offense will be good enough good enough to win games, um, but not to win it on their own. Um, so I think having that that you know absolute lockdown defense is is really going to be the difference maker. So I'm so don't, that's, don't believe in Brian Kelly. Believe in the D. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I can buy into that. I can get behind that. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's Phil, it's, a, it's a bit of a cop out, but you, you know, I'm a, I'm on. I, no, that's not a cop out. I'm eternally on the fence with Brian Kelly. I'm talking about with Brian Kelly. I'm eternally on the fence with him. Well, yeah. I mean, from what he's shown, it's, it's kind of hard not to be. I know he's kind of gotten the the program out from the. Uh, the dark ages, but at the same time, he, he he hasn't shown yet that he's able to you know win that big game and get the, get the team over that hump. Yeah, definitely bought him some equity, getting him to this point, like you said, Matt. But uh, you got to see that next that next different level of success at some point, or uh, as Matt has tried to in the past, you got to move on. You got to move on from him. Well, we really appreciate you uh, joining the podcast here. Before we uh, let you loose, tell the people where they can find you, all of the, the socials and the podcasts and the writing and the whatnot. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, Philip two underscores G or Philly OFD. And then you can look for my articles on One Foot Down, onefootdown.com. On Tuesdays, I have an article, One Thought, which is a, a very much a, a lighter article. And then on Thursday, feature an article, Hot and Cold Takes. And so that gives the opportunity for both myself to say a hot and cold take for the upcoming week, as well as fans to post their hot and cold takes. And then the following week, I will feature uh, the most ridiculous and the most accurate takes. And his mixtape is coming on SoundCloud this fall. So, so we, look out for that. We appreciate the time, Phil, and uh, hopefully uh, we, we get a nice little start off this season here and can have you back maybe mid-season. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, appreciate Phil. Phil. So there you have it, Phil Goff with the ins and outs of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He's got me jacked up for another season in South Bend. Uh, Like you said, Matt, just no one better there. And I'm glad we got to the bottom. I don't know if we did get to the bottom of it. Still not glad that I'm glad that we were able to talk it out, flesh it out as friends. The entire uh, ice cream bar situation. I think we did need a mediator. I do. Um, and I'm glad we had one with you. Uh, that said, I, I still think there's some, some work to be done between me and Phil, but we're making progress. Yes, that's yeah. that, that's what's most important. I think the important thing is we that sought you don't out, let exactly we sought out we help and we talked it out. No, no friendship should end over Hagen Das. I disagree, but <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, we got some other more some other predictions and. Uh, prognostications to make here let's uh, let's talk heisman award winner before we get to our college football playoff and uh like we like we promised you at the intro we're going to give you a lock of the week as well so that's what's coming here down the pipe but uh you Matt, know let's how talk good heisman. Are. <laughs> let's talk uh let's talk heisman award winners so who do you like this year obviously some some big names and some guys that we've gotten to see a little bit of tape on but uh i feel like it's anyone's trophy at this point I do too. Um, I, I, there's so many people being talked about. I know I mentioned Khalil Tate, guy we haven't mentioned even on the podcast yet. Bryce Love is, is the, the leader, um, the, the front runner to start the season. Uh, Will Greer's been a guy that's being thrown around there. That defensive end tackle, Ed Oliver from Houston, the, the five star, mm-hmm. is even a guy who's been mentioned as a dark horse. Well, I think that's all well and good. He's, he's not going to win the Heisman. Uh, but there are a lot of options. I think I'm going to go 
with Jake Browning because I, I'm very high in Washington this year. He didn't have quite as good of a year last year statistically as he did two years ago, but I, I think coming back as a senior with not the most difficult schedules after Auburn, I think he's going to put up some big numbers. I, I love what that team does, and I, I think he's going to be a little bit of an under-the-radar. For me, I, I think Bryce Love has a great chance, but I'm also not sold he can stay healthy for a full season, and that's going to be – I mean, that's huge in, in winning the Heisman. you got to play you know, most of the weeks and put up massive numbers, especially if you're a running back. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that. The, uh, the NorCal connection here for Jake Browning, I love the pick. He is a uh, Sacramento area kid from Folsom, play, played for the Folsom Bulldogs, who are one of the powerhouses here in NorCal. they got a wide receiver right now, Joe Ngata, who's heading to Clemson. His younger brother's Joey running what? back. Joey Joe Ngata, N-G-A-T-A. Oh, I, I, I thought you said Joey Fugata. I was like, that's the greatest Italian name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> we'll Joey, Joey Bag of Donuts? No, Joe Ngata, who's a 6'3 wide receiver, 6'4 wide receiver, who I've already seen in the first two weeks of football out here run over like poor children. I can't uh, he said He's heading to Clemson, going to have a chance right off the bat to make, uh, make his presence felt, his younger brother, uh, Daniel Ingata is a running back who has offers from everybody and their mother right now, Bama, ND, uh, all across the board. He's got everything. So some talented kids coming out of Folsom. That lineage started years and years ago, but uh, Browning uh, along that lineage. So going to be fun to watch him perform his fourth year in that offense. So it should be, should be like clockwork. Sorry. I like the quarterback. Are you going with the hometown kid then? I am not. I'm not going with the hometown kid. I have talked myself into a Jake Fromm Heisman Award winning performance. I can, see I can absolutely see I it. think that if George is going to have any chance at, at a Final Four berth, it's going to be because of the play of Jake Fromm. And uh, in what we saw in a true freshman campaign, one of two things can happen. You build on that or you have that requisite sophomore slump. I watched uh, a little YouTube mini doc that they did on this Fromm kid. He is not a sophomore slumber. He is a hard worker. He is 110% committed to this game and getting better and taking it to the, to the highest level. I think that we see another big jump out of Fromm this year. That'd be a good uh, name for a podcast, a sophomore slump. Sophomore slump. I kind of like, like that, right? Alliteration's always nice. Yeah. You can't really beat alliteration. I thought that was pretty cool. So. But no, I, I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't see much of a slump from him coming this year. I, I, as I said earlier, I'm very high on Jake Fromm. And he was, I, I was debating back and forth whether I should go with Browning or Fromm. And I'm glad I went with Browning because now we have different picks. Looking at the Vegas odds, uh, Tua Tagovailoa is plus 700. Bryce Love is plus 700. Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, who I think uh, that was my pick for a little while. Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. He's plus 800 at number three. Dwayne Haskins, plus 1,500 out of Ohio State. That's, that's an and interesting he, pick. You get that plus 1,500 group of uh, Big Ten quarterbacks, Trace McSorley from plus 1,500. Might have to put a couple shekels down on that. I Trevor Lawrence, QB out of Clemson in the plus 1,500 range. Uh, young kid, going to be uh, fun to it's, watch. It's Khalil tough Tate. for me to pick a fresh, uh, a freshman, who, or not even a freshman, yeah. a, a guy who's never ran an offense for a full season by himself to win the Heisman. I know it, it's happened before and all, but I'm just, it's tough for me to buy into a guy who hasn't done it before, who doesn't have at least that one year of experience under his belt. A lot of value for Jake Browning, plus 3,300, uh, tied for 18th. 
I think I might get that's, in on that. That's not a bad pick at all. Uh, you got all you got a lot of value at Ohio State too. J.K. Dobbins plus eighteen hundred there if you like a running back in this year's Heisman race. But we both went quarterback. We're going to see how it shakes down. It'll be fun to watch because uh, college football is not only a game of of programs and a game of tradition, but it's a game of names now too. And uh, you can't market these players, but they're still in front of our faces twenty four seven. And uh, it's going to be a blast. That's a, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, let's should, should we move on to our playoff picks then? Let's if do it's it. Playoff conversation picks, for another day. We and, can't have that and, today. And so. I know, I know, I gave you my four before we jumped on the pod here. Full disclosure: uh, Matt asked me who my four were before the podcast. And it's a good I thing re- I did. I rattled them off one, two, three, four, and Matt got really mad because it was his four as well. So I believe Matt has made a small shift to his, but I have as well. So we might have just yeah. shifted back to the same four. I have, uh, I have, I have swapped out. I don't one of think my we teams. did. So why don't you start and see see if we're at the same? Uh, my college football playoff this year, to no surprise, is going to include Alabama and Clemson. Should almost my just other, forego saying Alabama and Clemson because everybody other, has Alabama. And just Clemson. pick your other two. Uh, my other two teams are going to be Georgia and Wisconsin. I think that we're going to see. Georgia and Alabama make it out of the SEC. Uh, that SEC championship game is going to be p- played close enough to give the committee enough thought to put both in. Uh, it's never straightforward is what we found in picking never. these four teams. So I think that it is possible that you get two out of the SEC. I like Wisconsin coming out of the Big Ten, having a dominant campaign, an undeniable campaign to the Big Ten, and Clemson coming out of the ACC. Now, I, I'm also, as I said, very high in Wisconsin. That was one of the teams I also had, but I have, uh, I, I've since adjusted a little bit. I had Wisconsin last year, too, and it didn't work out all that well for me. They came a game, uh, a game short, but they, they got two tough games on the road at Michigan and at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're the better team in both cases, but I'm not sure that always matters in college football on the road. Um, so I, I'm going to go, as I said, with Alabama and Clemson. Uh, they're just the, they're the two best teams in the country. I was debating whether or not to throw Georgia in there as well, but I do think that this year we're going to see them play in the SEC championship game, and I don't think you're going to get to see you know, one of them get a second chance this year. I do think the committee will see that as almost a de facto playoff game. Um, so I think the winner of that is in. The loser of that is going to be out, even if they both okay. go in there undefeated, which might, you know, whether or not it's just right, fair, I don't care. I, I don't think you're going to see both of them make it because I do think we finally see that matchup in the SEC championship game. I'm going to go with Washington. Uh, I'm going to take my Heisman Trophy quarterback. I, I, I'm going to take that team. I love, as I said, love Chris Peterson. Schedules in their favor a little bit, and as long as they don't, I, I think they're going to beat Auburn. But as long as they don't, uh, you know, get the doors blown off them there. If, they, if it's a close, tight game that they go into a neutral site, that like we said, is almost like a road game. Big for sexy them, loss. Um, that's big, going to be a good. That's going to be one of those valuable losses <laughs> the committee sees for. And I think if they run the table, I think you're going to see him in. Uh, and then I, this is this is my shocker. This is a little bit of a curveball. I'm going to go with West Virginia. I think wow. they're going to put up a ton of points this year. I, I think they're going to win the Big 12, and I think that game against Oklahoma is almost going to be like the like we're talking about with Alabama and Georgia. I think that might be a de facto de facto type playoff game. Uh, I, I don't think there's that confirmed, you know, fourth you know lock team i I think the big 10 is really good but as we said that top end talent is so good i think we might see it kind of cannibalize each other like it did last year i think they're going to beat up on each other a ton uh a team a lot of people are talking about michigan state uh i think they're going to be a really good year i think they're going to surprise some people but again i I think that that top end talent they all play each other most you know 
it, and it, most teams have more than one really big game. A lot of the, these teams are playing their big games on the road too. Uh, I think you're going to see the Big Ten kind of beat itself, beat itself up, and I'm going to go with West Virginia as my fourth playoff team. Really high in real, Will Greer, really high in that offense, and if that defense can just kind of be average, um, I think they can make a run this year. Rune's going Rocky Top. I like it. No, uh, that's I Tennessee. Like that's Tennessee. What am I thinking of? I don't know. What's the song that they sing in West Virginia? Uh, country, country roads, Clemson. country roads, country road. Yeah, that might be what roads. I'm thinking. Yeah. So runes is going country roads. Uh, I love Dana Holgerson. Be... I love Will Greer. I love those uniforms. I I, I think West Virginia is going to take a take a big step forward this year. They just and they have to, and they're and they're poised to. They just don't strike me as a team who has the the bandwidth to play twelve weeks, thirteen weeks, fourteen weeks into a playoff like that. Hey, it's it's but, totally possible. But I just I, I love it. It all starts with a quarterback for me, and they have, you know, it is battle-tested and as talented of a quarterback and Will Greer as I think there is in the country. So I, See, I as a as a Big Ten guy, I just can't I can't shut out I can't shut out Big Ten before we even play. I don't a game. I, I don't want to shut out the Big Ten, but I just like in in the years past, even there, there's kind of been you know. I get Ohio what you're State's saying. Yeah. Been the Ohio State, and Wisconsin, been the two big dogs, and you know Penn State they tear each other kind of been nipping at the heels. But this year, Penn State, Michigan, and, and even uh, Michigan State are all capable of you know winning that conference. Whereas I think in the past, those teams are kind of more capable of you know pulling off an upset. Mm. I think all those teams are, are all capable of winning the conference, and I think they're just going to beat each other up. It's not that I don't think the Big Ten's good. It's, it's I, I think their top end talent's almost too good. A lot of teams capable of winning the conference, Matt. I know we're capable of winning some bets this fall. What do you say we give people a lock of the had, week? Had Northwestern last night, Joe. That one worked We need out lock of the week me. music. We need lock of the week music. I'll come up with some. We'll figure it out. Uh, can we just can we get week. the rights to uh, Money, Money, Money by the OJs? You know, I'm going to guess that they don't listen to our podcast. We'd probably be fine. Maybe we could, yeah, we could play like 15 seconds of it and claim incidentals. Yeah, like I, didn't, I was playing in the background while I was on, I was recording the <laughs> podcast. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. Perfect. Why don't perfect. you start Matt, why don't you, no, I'm going to start, start us off here. I like, uh, where was I? Here we are. You can watch this on Fox Sports 1 coming your way tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Ooh, time. Pack 8 p.m. Central. Pack 12 after dark. God, I like I those feel words. Like I feel like that 13-and-a-half Stanford's lane is not big that's enough. Tonight. I think they're going to blow the doors on Joe, the 31st. That's yeah, that is tonight. That is tonight. Night. That's Friday night football. Today's August 31st. I thought it was the 30th. Well, Friday August night 31st. lights action, Joe. Friday night lights. Pick it hot. Pick it while you got it. Stanford laying 13-and-a-half at home against San Diego State. I know nothing about San Diego State. I know a little bit about Stanford, and I think that they are far and beyond two three touchdowns better than San Diego State. I like that pick a lot, and I actually debated making that my pick as well. Glad I didn't. But I'm also glad that we're on the same wavelength here. We've been mm-hmm. kind of on the same page, and that you know makes me either think – We win together, we lose yeah, together. Yeah, we're both either really smart or really dumb. And I'm, I'm starting to think it's the latter, but I'm not totally sure yet. We'll, we'll figure that out. But it, it's weird that Stanford money line is minus 630, but the spread is only 14 points. I, I think that's kind of odd. I think Stanford's really good. San Diego State was good last year, and I think they if they didn't beat Stanford last year, it was a close game. They, they, they had Richard Penny, though. He's gone. He was one of the best running backs in the country, not there anymore. Uh, yeah. I, I do like Stanford in that game, too. But I'm going to go to Saturday um, because Saturdays are for the boys, Joe, and I'm going to go with Penn State 
giving 24 at home against Appalachian State. I, I don't know why this – I know that's a lot of points, but they're, they're playing App State. I believe I even saw App State's quarterback is out or not playing. And Penn State is one of those teams that we, we always see it early on with them, especially since James Franklin's been there. They love to win big. They're not afraid to run yeah. it up early in those early home games they have against – you know, not the best of opponents. I know App State has, has gotten better over the last couple of years, but I believe they're now D1 and not 1AA or whatever the hell they're calling it now these days. Um, but I, I think Penn State's going to come out and blow the doors off. They're going to look to make a statement that they're, you know, weren't, that it's Trace McSorley's team, that, you know, they're going to be fine without Saquon. Whether or not that's true, I think they want to make that statement. I think they're going to win big. Uh, so I'm going to go Penn State at home over App State, laying down the 24 points. Why don't you give people now? This isn't a lock. Don't hold us to this. Give us the people another another line that you like. You know what I like? I, I'm going to go with a total here. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Florida Atlantic at Oklahoma. The, the total there is 72, and I think Oklahoma is going to put up a ton of points. We both know Lane Kiffin loves to put up a lot of points. Uh, I, I like that one a lot. And then I believe uh, Ole Miss is at Texas Tech. Uh, that last I saw, the the total is only 68 and a half. And I you know you say only, but again. Two teams that don't play a lot of defense, two teams that threw up a lot of points last year, whether or not they were all that good, yeah. um, is a question in itself. But I, I really do like uh, the, those guys, those two games throwing up a whole lot of points. Also, I gotta put it out. I might as well go West Virginia because they're, they're my team so far that I've kind of been all they're, they're minus Rocky nine Top, baby. Minus nine, they're, they're playing Rocky Top. <laughs> Uh, they're laying nine and a half. I think Tennessee is a, a better team this year with, with Jeremy Pruitt. I think they got the right guy in there. But, again, it takes a little while to build a culture, get your guys in. This is a neutral site game. I'm going to go West Virginia. I think they're just going to put up a lot of points. I don't think Tennessee can run with them. I like it. And just to put it out in the ether, put some positive juju out there. I like Notre Dame covering the one against Michigan at home. God, I 1st. hope you're right. Oh, it's going to be a fun honestly, one to watch. I, I've, I've been asked, you know, by friends, family, whatever, how I feel about that game, other gambling friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no feel at all. I literally yeah. have no idea what's going to happen. I can see just about any scenario. I can see Notre Dame going up, blowing them out. I can see Michigan blowing them out. I can see it being a close game. I can see it kind of being one where it's close early and then another team kind of extends it at the end. I have no idea what's going to happen. And part of that, like we talked about in the interview with Phil, is, is the quarterback. We, I know, we know Brandon Wimbush is going to be the guy, but we don't know what to expect out of that yet. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to be obviously the big question mark. Yeah. Well, that uh, those are your locks of the week, and a couple uh, a couple for just a taste. If that's your if that's your style here on the Moose and Runes podcast. And as you remember from you. last year, remember to fade whatever we pick because we're yes. not very good at this. Yes, 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 yes. But if you're smart, put a parlay together, fading what we're doing. Whew, I actually might do that. Finish finish the season, a rich rich man. Who, Joe? Can we can we get a national championship prediction? Are we, are we gonna national gonna championship end, prediction? Yeah, we we gave what's our college your, football what's your predictions. Game? What's your game and what's your prediction? My game is once again we are going to see Alabama Clemson no. in the finale. I think we're going to see Alabama Clemson, and I think uh, I think that trophy changes locations once again. I think we see Clemson as the national champion this year. Matt, you touched upon it. Just the defensive prowess and uh, uh, the pressure that they're going to put on on opposing quarterbacks, on opposing run games. I think that uh, defensively, to use a cliche here, is going to win the championship for them. Well, this might be boring, but I'm going with the same matchup and the same winner. Uh, for the, for honestly the same reason, I think football guys as as good as that Alabama team is going to be as good and as badly as I got burned last year for picking Clemson over Alabama. 
Um, congrats to you on that again, by the way. Uh, cool. I think Clemson's defense is every bit as good as it was last year and probably going to be better this year. I think they're as good as Alabama's defense. And I'm not a believer in Kelly Bryant. I really haven't been. I think I said it last year uh, that that was my one concern going into that game and afterwards. So I'm not sure he's good enough to kind of beat that elite defense. I'm not sure he's going to have to on his own this year because we talked about Trevor Lawrence, that incredibly talented true freshman. I, I think you might see a similar type to a Jalen Hurts situation with Trevor Lawrence, where mm-hmm. I think he's going to get some time. It's, it's a matter of when, not if. Um, and I don't think Kelly Bryant's going to have to be relied on to do it all his own. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, with Clemson because they're going to have you know a couple options there at quarterback. But have you remembered a, a time in the past year, Joe, where the, the two, I would say, best teams in the country, I think nobody has much issue calling Clemson, Bama and Clemson, excuse me, the two best teams in the country, both have like quarterback controversies but both like nobody seems really worried about it they're just more like want to know who's going to start nobody's really all that concerned about it yeah i i can't offhand think of a time when this was the case but like you said it's not i wouldn't even call them quarterback controversies they just have quarterback decisions yeah, to the, make. controversy and is the wrong word but yeah and you're likely gonna see two guys go for both teams yeah i i'm i'm excited to see how both of those coaches handle it they're in my opinion, for my money, probably everybody's money, the two best coaches in the country. Uh, I'm not sure it's all that close. Maybe Urban Meyer's right there too, but um, I'm really excited to see how both of those coaches handle that and uh, see how those two teams kind of not only play their schedule, but play themselves a little bit. And kind of, I know uh, it was talked about us in college a little bit when we played, but for the most part, you know, your opponent's not always the guys lining up against you, but yourself as well. Strap it in, Matt. The college football Wait. season is here. Joe, I we can't got believe I forgot. We, we, need to do, we need to do a Titan prediction. What do we got for our boys, our Illinois Wesleyan fighting Titans? Week one, they open up week with – Week one is opening up with a bye. A bye, okay. That is that so. is Normesh's dream. He just gets to you extend love camp. That. It's bye week, not an off week, Joe. Remember that. You love that. It's a bye week, that. not an off week. They haven't even played and, on scrimmage, I believe. What so you know? What's just, unfortunate is I just opened up the the Wesleyan schedule to go check out their their the Wesleyan website to go check out their schedule. You know who the CCW added a bunch of teams, right? They did. So basically, I, I believe they only play one non conference game now, and it's the rest of it is conference play, or maybe it's two uh, non conference games. But one of theirs is a buy. I'm not really sure. Uh, no, sorry, it is one non conference game. They uh, they play uh, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin lacrosse. At Tucci Stadium, and week two is uh, week Wheaton, two. Correct? Is, they yeah, open up it, Wheaton. Well, week three technically is Wheaton. Okay, so who do they open up with? Uh, they play Wisconsin Lacrosse uh, September eighth at Tucci Stadium. Love it, That's Joe. What do, we, what do we got? We got a we got a conference championship here. Conference title. Conference title. title. Quick conference title. They they got Wheaton quick. at Tucci, so I love that match. You got quick conference title. Yeah. They got they got North Central on Seniors Day. Um, you know, do it for the seniors one more time, then. Uh, last time around out of that tunnel, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say let, let's call it let's call it a nine and one conference championship type season for the Titans. We made the mistake last year. I think we all we both had them around seven and three and losing to to Whitewater. We all know what happened last time a, a Wisconsin team came into White to, to Wesleyan at week one. The, the, the Titans put up the dubs. They they knocked them off. I think they're gonna do the same to Lacrosse. I think they'll beat Wheaton. North Central is really the one tough game I'm worried about. But I think we get we get uh, you know we take care of it there too. Let, let's say a nine and one Titan season and a CCIW championship back to back for the men in green. I love it. I love it. Rings and things for for the uh, for the Titans. Matt, before we go here, a quick update on our FedEx Cup 
championship. I'm winning two two dozen ball. Yeah, you're winning because I picked two players who didn't play last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm winning because you picked two players who didn't play. Uh, that's what we're doing. That's a that's a professional response right there. Well, I, if I'm nothing, I'm professional. Matt's sitting in a roughly 200 and some point lead. Feeling good. 6,541 points. I'm right there with 6,315 points. Honestly, if any one of our guys wins a tournament and the other team doesn't win a tournament, that's that's ball game right there just because these tournaments are worth so many points. So I think that it's going to come down to the Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas uh, uh, matchup unless one of our our lower guys does. Don't count out. Well, I think you can count out Tiger. He bogeyed like three of his first four holes today, just, so just he don't. might not even be at oh, the next tournament. He'll be there. But I uh, it, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. No, I just wanted Ladies to say first. I was a little bit disappointed because I brought up the Wesleyan website to go look at their schedule, and guess uh-huh. who's still featured on the front page of the sports website? Galax, what dumb face? The as if he needs his ego stroked anymore. <laughs> the, the, the big schnitzel. With that jersey from probably 1994. He's a, he's, a, he's a European. He's a he's an overseas. Uh, yeah, that's probably why they put him, why they put him you know, back up there. They probably took him off. Yeah. It's like, oh, he went pro. The, we should probably the have face of Eastern European football. You know, Rob that, you know, if that's not what you want to be, I don't know what you want to be then in football. <laughs> I think that's when you know you've made it. You're the face of the Austrian football league. Matt, we made it. It is college football season. We got games starting tonight all the way through Monday. We got Miami LSU on Sunday night. We got, who is it, Virginia Tech, Florida State on Monday. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, the NFL season's here five days later. That's a tease. We got our NFL preview next week. We're in the thick of things, and we do have our, our NFL divisional selection show next week. We'll break it all down. for that, Joe. The bear down. The bears yeah. are back. The bears are 100 percent back. The bears are so back; it's not even funny. Ten, ten plus wins. Ten plus wins this year. I can't wait, oh. Joe, to wake up on Saturday morning at, at 9 a.m. and just or 8 a.m. and watch college game day all the way through. I've been looking forward to this for so long. See, the thing is, I can't wait to wake up at 9 a.m. and have the bears start an hour later. Out yeah, here. but you it's, can't watch it's college morning game football. Day. I can watch college game. You got to get up early. Wake up really early. Yeah, you know? you're not going to do that. We both know it. You don't know. I'm excited to see. You don't you know, know. The last three or four years, Lee Corso has kind of just regressed in how yeah. with it he is. I'm kind yeah. of not excited to see. I'm some interested B to see the next get step. B vitamins. You know, if he's taking another step back and if he's even kind of less with it and just kind of says all, all the time and makes his pick at the end. <laughs> just some brain, we get some brain food for Lee, something like that. Just, yeah, let's gotta, get him a muffin. Keep, let's get him a muffin and sharp. some orange juice. Got to keep them sharp. Well, that's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast, your college football pick'em special, episode 69 of the pod. Coming to you next week, episode 70, the NFL pick'em special. It's football season, folks. Send us your questions. Mailbag. We'll jump back into it next week or the week following. Send us some NFL mailbag questions. Doesn't have to be about the teams or about the games, but just tangentially NFL mailbag questions. We'd love to tee some of those up next week for episode 70. Hey, if there's any, if, there, if there's any over under team totals you like as well, anything that. like that, send us those, send us, send us your favorite plays of the season, the week, anything you want. We're, we're open books and we love talking about it. It's at Moose and Runes on Twitter. Don't forget it. Shoot us your questions. We love you guys. Talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise. 
and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.